people want a happy ending. They want a good outcome. There's enough sadness out there. So what my editors used to call dead dog stories or dead cat stories, they did not want those because anybody who has ever lost a pet, we know that our personal experience is going to trump anything you can read. So we don't want to read about that. We want to read about the hopeful stuff. Hi, I'm Tori Mystic, and you're listening to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast, the only show dedicated to supporting women in all areas of the pet industry. Welcome to episode 299. Whether you've been listening from day one or you're new to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast, I want to thank you for listening, especially during this busy time of year. In this episode, I have the pleasure of getting to know author and certified animal behavior consultant, Amy Shajai. We get started with Amy's story of how she got started in the pet industry while working at a small vet clinic in eastern Kentucky. At the clinic, she witnessed firsthand the wide variety of treatments and pets and the need to convey important information to pet parents in a way that they could easily understand. That experience got her started writing for publications like Cat Fancy and Dog Fancy. She developed a signature writing style for her articles that started with a story about a pet transitioned into the featured medical information, and then wrapped up with an update on how the pet is doing after treatment. That structure of leading with a strong hook, followed by education, got people's interest, especially when there was a happy ending to share. Amy and I also talk about why we love to read fiction written by actual dog experts. Amy admits that she has thrown books across the room when the author clearly doesn't know a thing about dogs and writes unrealistic or even dangerous stories about them. Same girl, same. (laughs) If you dream of writing or if you just want to promote your pet business through really great stories and you need help knowing how to tell them, you will enjoy this interview. You might hear Amy's cat and dog playing in the background at parts. When I talked to her over Zoom, I was watching her cat try to open the door to her office. Certainly never a dull moment when you have pets, right? And like I mentioned, this is episode 299. That means that next week I will share episode 300. I will take a look at where we've been and where we're headed. That will be the final episode for this year. I need a little winter break to recharge for all the exciting updates that I have in store for the petpreneur world in 2024. So please make sure that you keep in touch with me, that you're following me on social media, and most importantly, that you're subscribed to this podcast and to my email list. My email list is the very best way to keep in touch with me, and you can join by going to where wagrepeat.com slash podcast. Okay, now on to the interview, the last interview of 2023. I hope you enjoy it. Amy Shajai is a certified animal behavior consultant for cats and dogs, an award-winning author of over 35 pet care titles and pet-centric thrillers with bite. 
She channels her inner pet to provide actionable infotainment on her Bling Bitches and Blood blog to empower pet lovers. She lives in North Texas with Shadow Pup, Karma Cat, and the enduring memory of many other furry muses. Oh, and she also loves Bling. (laughs) Hi, Amy. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing so good. I'm really excited to talk to you. I think we're going to have a very fun conversation. Oh, I think so. I think we are kind of two of a kind. So this may be dangerous, folks. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I think so. Um, so I feel like our paths have crossed so many times over the years, um, but I don't know too much about how you got started in the pet industry. In, oh, in the pet industry. So I would love to um, kind of hear from you how you got into this world. Ah, well, when I when I first got married, uh, my husband and I were living in Eastern Kentucky, and there were there were no jobs around. And then uh, a young, newly minted veterinarian opened his practice in town, and was advertising for um, some some help. I went in to interview for the job. And I had always loved animals anyway. And my first experience there was being interviewed by the veterinarian during a Chihuahua's C-section. And he was handing me out puppies to resuscitate as he asked questions. And I think I got the job because I didn't pass out. And I loved it. It was so much fun. And he was so excited about veterinary medicine and wanted to share all this information. So I got to help and assist in all kinds of different uh, procedures. We had um, a little hit by car uh, cocker spaniel that came in that collapsed in the waiting room and we had to do open heart massage on him, saved his life. We had uh, snake bit pets. We had dogs that he did orthopedic surgery on. I got to assist and be, you know, right next to him and watching and handing him instruments during all of this. And I would tell my mom some of these stories, uh, you know, in another clinic I worked with a dog escaped, got out of the clinic, chewed through the accordion folds on the insert on the air conditioning unit, got out the window onto the roof, jumped down and took off. And the pizza inn across the way called us to say, you've got a dog on your roof. And we thought, yeah, right. And this, this was it. And so I tell my mom these stories and she said, Amy, you've got to write these down. And so that's kind of how it started. And I blame my mother and credit my mother for encouraging me to write some of these down. And so my first publications were with the Pet Press back in the day when they were actual physical magazines, Dog Fancy, Cat Fancy, Dog World, Cats Magazine, all of those. And I had some very generous um, and enlightened editors that helped me and helped teach me how to write and what to write and that um, you don't have to include every single quote. It makes it stronger if you don't. And just a lot of information out there. Um, some of my my first assignments I got were to cover this emerging new disease, feline infectious anemia or uh, FIV. Uh, 
And then I covered the first vaccinations for feline leukemia virus and got to interview Dr. Niels Pedersen, who had discovered all of this stuff. So I got to interview the, the people that were cutting edge doing all of this. And it was just exciting and fascinating for me. And I have to stop just a minute because I have a cat here that is sniffing my microphone and I'm afraid <laughs> it's going to take things off. This is Karma Cat. Oh, Karma. Hello. <laughs> so he likes when I'm talking, of course, there's nobody else here. So I must be talking to him. Of course, naturally. He's a star of the show, I'm sure. I was afraid he was going to eat my microphone here. So (laughs) (laughs) So that's kind of how I got started. And I call myself, and you'll see it on my uh, shajai.com website, I call myself the accidental writer because I really didn't intend to this be my life, but thank goodness it is. Yes. I was curious about about that title, The Accidental writer. Um, and, but I like that. It sounds like, you know, in the pet world, we do have so many stories. And when you get together with the other pet people, you like whenever I'm with my dog mom friends, I feel like we all have so many stories to tell each other about, Oh, I can't believe my dog did this, but to take the initiative to write it down, um, is, is so important because I think that these little stories, we kind of forget about them over the years. Um, but they are kind of special and they're what make our pets wonderful. Um, so it is great to, to, uh, document that. Right. And, and part of that also is that, the veterinarians that I work with didn't always have the time to spend with the pet parents and explain in detail what's going on. You know, they're, they are pulled in so many different directions and trying to get good information and diagnose and give the treatment that's appropriate. And, and so part of the technician's job, uh, the vet tech's job is to be that intermediary and explain what's going on. I, you know, I was giving the flea talk and the house training talk and, you know, what to do with this and what to do with that. And I learned that, you know, a veterinarian may talk about um, a particular disease or what you need to do, but I was able to put that in context, in language that you and I can understand, not the medical ease that was out there. And that kind of became my niche. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it started out as, as giving, um, you know, just kind of the routine, basic information. And then when I, when I got into it and interviewing these experts and learning about, you know, the new flea medicine and the new, um, way to diagnose something else. And, you know, um, I started writing the personal experience stories and would bookend them with personal, you know, personal experience. And then the inside of the article would have the details about it. So I'd start out with, um, you know, the, the dog that had been hit by a car and what had happened there and then go into first aid, what you can do if something like this happens. And then the bookend at the end was what happened to that particular dog. So you put a furry face on the story so people can identify with that. And in the pet press in those days, and still today, I think, people want a happy ending. They want a good outcome. There's enough sadness out there. So what my editors used to call dead dog stories or dead cat stories, they did not want those because anybody who has ever lost a pet, we know that our personal experience is going to trump anything you can read. So we don't want to read about that. We want to read about the hopeful stuff. Yes. I mean, I hear people 
say all the time that they won't even pick up a book with a dog on the cover because they're mm-hmm. afraid of the ending. And so there needs to be like the the old like Oprah sticker that would go on books. I think we need a sticker mm-hmm. that's like the dog is okay. <laughs> Well, actually, in any advertising, I do write that down, especially in my thrillers, because I do. I have my one of my main characters is a service dog. He has his own viewpoint chapters. And then the cat that my readers wanted the cat to have viewpoint also. So I have a cat that that tracks lost cats and occasionally has his own viewpoint. And I put in the advertisement anything. I said that, you know, the dog, the pets do not die, but the bad guys do. You know, all bets are off with the humans because they're not innocent. They can take care of themselves. Exactly. Nothing happens. Uh, I have a lot of pet centric um, storylines. So I will I will talk about like my my main character's cat has uh, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy and is being treated for that. So I got to talk about research involved with that. And every cat foundation at that time it was Win Feline Foundation. Now it's every cat. Uh, I get to talk about uh, the issues of dog fighting and how you can uh, recognize that and and prevent things like that and how what wonderful dogs these can be. All these different kind of pet centric types of things that are going on. And something um, it was it was a surprise to me and. A relief to me also, some of my early reviewers would say, oh, so that's why my dog does X, Y, Z. And I was hearing from reviewers that would never, ever pick up a nonfiction book or take a course about dog training or learn about cat behavior. They're learning in my books because Mm -hmm. it's all based on science. And I have an end part, part of the book that I call Factor Fiction. So the end of every fiction book, the factor fiction will say, you know, this part of the book that I talked about, that's real. That's absolutely real. And it's based on science. And here's where you can learn more. And there's links here. And here's how you can properly um, play tug of war with your dog without getting into trouble. And this part of it, I made that up. And isn't it fun? You know, so people can find out. And that's become a real popular part of that as well. Yes. Well, I just, I really love reading books that are, that are fiction, that are novels, but are written by pet experts because, Mm. um, I can just, as I'm reading it, I can just tell the way that, um, someone who really knows animals and knows pets, the way they write about them is so different than a lot of like the big New York times bestselling authors. You know, some of these big books, big popular books that I read that have a dog character, I read it and I'm like, that's not believable at all. That's not what a dog yeah. would do. Uh, and so I I really, I wish that more pet professionals wrote novels because I love reading them because they're, like you said, they, they're based in real animal behavior science and people mm-hmm. can actually learn from them. Well, and, and in fact, you know, I will, I will, throw a book across the room if it's not accurate. I I read a very well-known author, a thriller writer that uh, I I loved her books up to that point. She had a service dog in there and the service dog's handler uh, had decided that, well, the the dog dog was feeling sore, sore muscles. So she gave him Tylenol and went, no, 
No, <laughs> you know, so if you're going to do it, do it right. Do your research. It's just like, I don't put a lot of specifics in about guns and firearms because I don't know them and I'm not an expert. I have an expert. I have a friend who reads for me to check details on that kind of thing. I will get it wrong. I know I will get it wrong. And then I will get readers saying, you got it wrong. There's no safety on this one. Or that's, you know, this is the way that works. Or it's not a revolver. It's actually this. So I don't do that. You need to do the same thing if if you're including pets. And I've been to I've been to Thriller Fest and you know writers conferences all over where I will hear authors say, yeah, my editor or my agent said this character needs to be more likable, give him a pet. So if you're using a pet as a prop, that's not helpful especially if pet is introduced in the first chapter or two, and then the hero goes gallivanting across the world and then comes back three weeks later, that pet would have destroyed the house. There would be pee and poop everywhere. There would be, you know, the curtains pulled down or, you know, if they were not dead. So you need to make those arrangements uh, for them. And I have, I have, a, I think it's still a free webinar on I call writing like cats and dogs and all the things that you should do if you are going to include animal characters in your writing. And number one is don't kill them. Don't kill them. Oh, yeah. Don't hurt them on stage. I mean, they they can. My hero dog has been injured before, but always survived, of course. Um, I write my thrillers within about th- there. They are set within three to six months of each book because I don't want the dog to age out. Oh, I hadn't thought about See? that. You have to think about that too, because I don't want my kid. And then a friend of mine who also writes, she said, she said, dog's never going to die. It's fiction. He's going to live forever. I like that. Okay, <laughs> that, that solves that problem. So, you know, things like that, think about what are hot button issues in the worlds of pets, because if you have pets in it, Pet people are going to read it. So are you going to include, um, you know, fighting dogs? Are you going to include raw feeding? Are you going to include um, feral cats? Uh, you know, how are you going to manage that? Yes. Well, and like so, you mentioned the cardiomyopathy, which is such yes. a hot issue. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so so you can do some and pull from the headlines is really hot. So if you have something that is going on in the world of people, Will it translate into humans? I mean, COVID, we had back and forth there. You've got a lot. I like medical thrillers. So I'm always looking at, you know, these weird, bizarre kinds of things going on. Um, I'm I'm thinking, you know, some of the tick-borne diseases. One of my characters got Lyme disease and had to go through all of that. So then people understood and learned about protecting themselves about um, tick infestations, not only on their animals, but them. So you can do a lot of educating without preaching. Right. It will. And I like how it was in your bio using infotainment. Um, and that's kind of what this all is. Um, so Amy, all of these books, um, that you've written over 40 books, um, (laughs) how do you find the time? What, what is your, like, do you have a time management trick that you use to sit down and, and get all these words out? Because it's hard to, um, I, I just feel like it's, you know, I've been a blogger for a long time and sometimes I have that blank screen and I'm just frozen and I don't know what to say. 
Um, so what are your tips on, on writing so much? Mm, well, part of it is I plagiarize myself endlessly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there are only so many ways you can write about the war on fleas. So you can update things a lot. And a lot of things are seasonable. Others are uh, evergreen, um, particularly uh, talking about blogging. Uh, so, you know, every June comes around and it's adopt a shelter cat month in June. You know, what's going on? It's um, heat problems in pets, um, firework fears coming up in July. So there are seasonal things you can always write about. And there's always something new in the world of veterinary medicine, some kind of care option that's that's coming down the track. And, and as I said, I mean, I've been doing this a long, long time. And so I do have, I have a lot of um, material that I can pull from. Uh, I will, for blog posts, if I'm looking for something and I, and I just don't have time, I'll pull something from my book and say it's an excerpt from this. Um, and that's, that's a way to do it. Right now, um, once I finish, I'm, as, as I mentioned before we went on, uh, on recording, uh, I am right now editing the audio files uh, for the audiobook of my latest thriller, Dare or Die. But after that, I have two books, Complete Care for Your Aging Dog and Complete Care for Your Aging Cat, that need to be updated because I wrote them a long time ago and things change. So I'll be going to the AVMA conference in Denver next month and hope to meet with a lot of experts who know way more than I do and get the greatest, latest information on that. And so when you update Caring for Your Aging Dog and Cat, um, do those hardcover books or, or just hard copy books, do they get reprinted or how, what's yes. the process like these days? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I am, uh, well, for years I've worked with my uh, my agent and we sold a lot of books through New York, but now I'm uh, publishing independently. And so I can update anything and have new information available within about 48 hours in the book. Um, So print on demand is amazing. Uh, I have pretty much all of my books available, uh, digital copies. So they're on Kindle and Kobo and Nook and all of those versions, plus paperback and then also hardcover. So it would mean once those are updated, I will update the cover as well to reflect that. Um, I have not done audiobooks yet with the two aging pet books because they are, I want it to be new information and it's much more difficult to update the audiobook files than it is everything else. Um, so yeah, print on demand has changed the world of publishing incredibly. And it's, it's wonderful and it's also terrible because it is so easy that it's tempting to hit publish before the book's ready. So there there is a lot of really badly published information out there as well. It may be good information but it's not been properly edited or formatted or any of those things. Just because you are an independent author doesn't mean you don't need an editor, you don't need a cover designer, you don't need all of those things that a New York publisher would take care of. Now, the one thing that people talk about, though, they say, oh, I'm, I want to be published by New York because I don't want to have to do marketing and all that. Sorry, you're still going to have to do it. 
New York does not do marketing and publicity for people, for pet books, basically. Unless you have a television show and you're on Oprah, then they will, you know, because yeah. then they're going to get their money money's worth and money back. But if you are you or me or any of dozens of really, really good writers that with great material that have books out there, you're going to be have to be publishing and producing and marketing yourself social media, uh, maybe paying for set advertisement. There's a lot of different ways you can go now. So you, it's not just organizing your own book tour or something like that. Sure. Absolutely. You can do that. The problem there is unless you are a New York published author, bookstores aren't going to want to invite you in. So it's not going to be in a bookstore, but we're really, really fortunate. We, if we write about cats or dogs, we can go to a dog show. We can go to a cat show. And I got to tell you, those that's your audience. I have had the best sales at cat shows and dog shows than anywhere else or go to, you know, Hallmark card shop, go outside the box, you know, go to a um, an outdoor fair where right. you can. Well, there's so many mm-hmm. dog centric events Yes. Now, all the time, everywhere, in dog friendly coffee shops and breweries, and um, exactly. all would be great venues for uh, something to promote a dog book. Well, and they've also just loosened the uh, requirements on restaurants. It's it's still up to the restaurant, but now you can take your dog to the outdoor portion of a restaurant right in time for summer, and that would be great to partner. No, with a local restaurant, there was there was a place where um, friends of mine, we used to go every summer to Colorado for a writer's retreat. And our favorite place to hang out was the dog bar. Yes. And it was called the dog bar. Yes. And and you could sit outside and all of the do- neighborhood dogs would come through and cage French fries. And I mean, it was wonderful. <laughs> so you could do a set up a signing there or even just a, a free lecture. Because yeah. even if people don't want to buy right then, have cards ready, give free information. It's all about showing up. They might want to download and listen to the audio book version. Absolutely. So, okay. So Amy, I feel like I need to pick your brain before we wrap up our <laughs> interview. Um, okay. Imagine this. I'm going to set the scene like I am like I am an author here. So um Imagine that someone like me has an idea for a novel um, and not a not a nonfiction book that's about dog training or anything, but like a novel. What would be the steps that you would recommend someone take um, to take that from an idea to an actual published book? Okay. There are wonderful resources uh, free resources, writers group. I would I would suggest you hook up with a writers group in your area. Um, I'm in Texas, but uh, I'm also affiliated with Oklahoma Writers Federation. Um, I'm uh, a past uh, president there and an honorary life member because I I helped out with that. Writers conference is one of the best places where you can get help lectures on how to do it, uh, how to um, there, there are a couple different ways that you can uh, plan your book. Some people call themselves pantsters because they write by the seat of their pants, and others are plotters because they sit down and they plot it from beginning to end. And basically, when you are writing uh, a novel, 
something that is, um, you know, fiction, they say to have your have your hero have a story problem that they must solve, and all of these different things get in the way of solving the problem. So you put, basically you put your hero up a tree with a bear down below trying to get him, and then you're sawing off the limb. And you don't give him any respite until the very end of the book. And then everybody goes, ah, finally, I knew it would turn out right. But oh, my goodness, what a ride. So find a writer's conference. And you can Google that. Uh, just look for writer's conferences, writer's groups. There are critique groups that can help you as you write along the way. And they can give you some really good tips on that. And there's there's nothing better than having published writers give you some some good feedback. And it's not always what you want to hear, but it's really important. And know, know when to say, well, no, that doesn't make sense to me. Because for years and years, I wanted to write a book, a thriller that had a dog viewpoint cha- characters in it. And I was told time and again by editors and by agents, that's a child's book. That's for kids. That doesn't work for Well, I got to tell you, the first book that I wrote and published fiction book was the book I'd always wanted to read. So that was the first first book that I had published and readers have embraced it. And there are now, there are New York Times bestselling authors that are doing the same thing. James Rollins gave me a cover quote for my very first novel. And I went to him because one, he's a veterinarian and two, he was doing Dog Viewpoint. Yeah. So- it's wonderful. And, you know, that find find books that you love and analyze them. I had I love Dean Koontz, too. And so I had um, his book, Watchers. A lot of dog dog people probably are familiar with Watchers. I have read that book probably 30 times and I went through and I analyzed it and I said, OK, by page such and such the the bad guy shows up by this page this happens by the so you analyze it and see well how do the how do the masters do this can so i kind do of this? figure out the formula yeah and then yeah and every book's different every book's different but still i mean um mr coods seems to often introduce the bad guy as kind of a guy standing off by the side that is not nobody's paying attention to so I took that to heart. Yeah. I also took to heart that a lot of people will have these little Easter eggs set up, you know, early in the in the story. And sometimes when you're writing, you don't know why you write that. And then at the end of the book, you say, oh, that's why I put that there. So like the beginning of, of one of my one of my uh thrillers. So I had um the, you know, and this was from personal experience. I had a dog that used to like to chew sticks and he 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 chomped it and it held his jaws open. And so to get get that out, you couldn't pull it out. We used, um, my main character had gardening clippers and snipped it to get rid of that. And then she just stuck them in her pocket. And so the end of the book, she had those gardening shears in her pocket when she needed them to defend herself against the bad guy. And I was going, that's why she has them there. And I, you know, it's so sometimes your subconscious puts things in and you don't know while just go with it, just go with it because you never know how that's 
that's going to to work out. And I like to always kind of set up those little Easter eggs in the very beginning, you know, something to do with um, like I'm I'm experimenting right now with my um, with my dog and my cat and the talking buttons so that they uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. They're, they're pre-recorded buttons so that the dog or the cat can press a button that says outside or treats or play with, you know, whatever. So I put that in the book also. And then at the end of the book, that was that was part of how the dogs and the cats helped the, the hero save herself. And so you can do things like that. And people, people love that. Oh, the oh. other thing that I do that is I just very... love the talking button idea. That's such a fun way to fun? give the pets a voice. Yes. Without having to do it from their perspective, but you can still give them a voice. Exactly. And it's and it's funny because then they can cats think very differently than dogs do. So people, if you're listening, Google or go on YouTube and and find, you know, Bunny the dog that does the talking. And there is also a cat that does this, but the cats thought processes are very, very different. Oh, I have to look that up because I know bunny, bunny, um, is very existential (laughs) and and it's about the cat now. Yeah. And the the cat will say scritches now, now, you know, and the cat will expect you to understand what's going on now. No. What, what do you need now? I know you want it now, but what do you want now? Well, scritches, you're supposed to read that. (laughs) Meanwhile, so Bunny is like, what is the meaning of life? I know. <laughs> Bunny tells you about her nightmares. It's like <laughs> crazy. So the, the other thing I do with my thrillers that my, oh golly, my readers have absolutely loved this and embraced this. I do a contest, name that dog or name that cat hero contest for each of my books. So they nominate their pets to be a hero in the book. And so I'll usually add one cat and one dog. This past time I had so many really good ones that I ended up doing the runners up too. So I had four of my readers' pets in the most recent book and they were hero pets that helped save the day, helped the dog character or helped the the heroine overcome whatever was going on. So I had an Airedale terrier, I had a Kelpie, I had um uh a cat from Canada won one of them and because this cat knew how to open doors and um, another cat that um, that would um, think he was named, he was named, he liked to get up on the telescope. And so, you know, he liked tall, tall places and, and, and all that. So it was just so much fun. And then I get, the the readers involved too, and they have bragging rights. They have their pet in there. They have their name and the real information about like the Kelpie was rescued from a hoarding situation. And so I have a scene in there and his viewpoint. I remember the before times when I was always scared and nobody would cuddle me, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, it's great fun to do that. And then they, they share the love too and say, Hey, my dog's in this book and you know, it's so well, and it fun. probably gives you ideas. Sometimes it's oh yeah, it's hard to think because everyone's pet is so unique. So if you get people writing in with their own pet's unique attributes, it's like lots of inspiration. It it is the the first time I did this, I had um, 
somebody that nominated her golden retriever to be um, um, visiting an Alzheimer's unit, basically. And she said, yeah, my dog, she she collects things from the neighbor, neighbors. She will go all around the neighborhood and pick things up and bring them back to our our porch, you know, newspapers, anything that's out there. And so I added that in to the plot line too. She was picking things up in the nursing home and bringing them all around. So yeah, it's, and it adds a new, new level in there and it's all, and then I can say, you know, fact or fiction, this is true. This is fact. This is from people that have pets just like yours. Yeah. So that's that's, so a lot of fun. Uh, well, Amy, it's been so fun. I, I could listen to your stories all day. I guess I'll have to go read some of your books. Okay. Um, <laughs> or I could listen to your audiobook versions, I guess. Yeah. Um, so tell our listeners, uh, where can they learn more about all of your books and your audiobooks and your blog and all the things that you do? Sure. Everything is wrapped up at my uh, website, which is my name, shajai.com. So that's S-H-O-J-A-I. Dot com and you can get to my blog from there you can find my my pet books cat books dog books and the the fiction thrillers there's also uh sections on um publishing information there's some uh webinars available there's i think yes there's still one of the free webinars is on uh if you have writer's block and how to overcome that which is a lot of fun and there's one on um writing like cats and dogs and how to incorporate cats and dogs in your writing so that people don't throw the book across the room. <laughs> so a lot of fun stuff there. And I I, I hope people will in, enjoy this. And I'm very, very grateful for being invited to be part of this. Oh, I'm grateful to to have you here and um, and to share what you're doing with the world. Because I think even for people who are not authors or don't even want to write a book, everything that you're saying in your advice could be implemented in our website copy or your social media or or, your email newsletters. Um, Yeah, you should be starting your emails with a story and then include the the medical facts and then end with the wrap wrap up of the story. I mean, that's a great formula for an email newsletter as well. So I think that this, everything that you've shared is just really helpful for everyone. Absolutely. And and if you are um, you know, trying to promote your business through writing, uh, a lot of it does just come down to you can go on Google and you know type into that box, why does my dog and let it fill in the blank? You can get a lot of prompts there. You know, a lot of people are looking for information. One of my top ones right now is on um uh the you know, how to adopt a cat or a kitten because it's kitten season. Everybody has them. So that's a real top one. Another one is what do I do if my dog ate the wrong thing? You know, is, uh, you know, first, first aid, or do you take him to the vet right away? Uh, And my, my pet first aid book actually has that. It'll say, this is an emergency, get to the vet right now. This one you can treat at home. This one you can take a little time and see what happens. So you can do some of those things for your readers, and it can be very, very quick, just a Q&A. It doesn't have to be a huge, long, in fact, shorter is better when it comes to some of this stuff. Yes, because especially if it's first aid, people want the answer right away. They can't right there. 
read an entire book to get the answer for their current situation, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, okay, well, Amy, thank you again. I really appreciate you and it's been such a, a joy to talk to you. Um, and thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You have a good rest of the day. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode. Send me a note on Instagram at wherewagrepeat or find even more women petpreneurs to connect with in our private Facebook group called Where Wag Repeat Labs. If you want to dig into more episodes, resources to grow your business, or find a link to something we discussed, it is all right there for you at wherewagrepeat.com. I'll see you back here next Wednesday for a fresh conversation.